Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today we want to address a great question that we got, and here to join me are Jen Foss and Laura Pitney, my friends and co-workers. Here's the question. Are you ready for it? Can you give some tips on great ways to create a Charlotte Mason atmosphere? How should I be thinking about our homeschool space? What am I trying to create? It's a good question, but I want to just touch on one part of it first. When she said how to create a Charlotte Mason atmosphere or a good atmosphere in your home, I think the number one thing about creating an atmosphere is your attitude. Um, you could be in the most beautiful surroundings, but if you are short-tempered and um, pushy with your kids and just being ugly, you're not creating a good Charlotte Mason atmosphere. So let's clarify that right up front. But I also think that your surroundings can either enhance or detract from the habits you're trying to instill in your children and what you're trying to do in giving them a Charlotte Mason education. So let's talk about how to make your space work for you. Um, what's interesting is the three of us all have different personalities. We all have different spaces. And no, we're not going to show pictures of our spaces because that's not going to help the viewers figure out what works for them. So let's just talk about some ideas of how to make the space you have work in a Charlotte Mason way. I think you hit on a crucial point that we're all different, that we all have different personalities. Therefore, how our homeschool happens, where it happens, what it looks like, it's going to be different for everybody. But I do think there's some key, um, key things that a homeschool room, homeschool situation needs to have. And that's, um, like you're saying, not just the attitude, but wherever it is, it's got to function. It's got to practically work itself out. So if you're scattered and having to hunt down supplies or materials from all over your house, if you don't have it gathered and ready functionally, you're just it's just going to be a struggle to get it done. So that's, to me, a big deal, despite what the personalities are, is it's got to function. And because our spaces are so different, you know, that's going to look different. I have friends that have a library, a whole room devoted to just books. I have a friend who has a coat closet that they turned into storage for homeschool supplies. So using the space that you have functionally, I mean, to me, that's, that's key in helping you have the right attitude in the school environment. I think it's also a key in establishing habits and um, modeling the good habits. How can your child develop a habit of orderliness if your homeschool room is chaos? So a place for everything and everything in its place, I think, is a key. And then Charlotte talked about the habit of neatness, which is a step farther where you're arranging those orderly items to look pleasing to the eye. And that's where you have a big <laughs> heads up than I do. You're, you're much farther along that path. That's just your personality. You're very good at that. Um, but I can still work on the orderliness. And when we are scattered and we're hunting all over for things, it's hard for our children to give that full focused attention. It disrupts their mindset as well as their best effort, 
So I think there's a lot to be said. Some of us are more naturally organized than others, but if you can at least get something set up and keep it running that way, there's a lot more at stake than just being an organized person. Right, and it's something that you can learn. So for some of us, it is natural. Like my brain naturally works in that way. I can see the mess and know the 10 steps that I need to do to make it orderly. Like that's just how my brain works. But for those that uh, struggle with that and it's not something that's natural, it, it can be learned. And, it, and it's something that you just choose one thing to work on at a time and figure out, okay, here's a stack of my children's uh, schoolwork and it's a mess, and it's not orderly, and it's not neat. So what can I do just to fix this one problem? So it, the organizational side of things can be super overwhelming and can feel, you, a lot of times you can feel defeated before you start, but um, I want to say that as an encouragement, that it can be learned. It can You can seek out advice. You can Pinterest. You can do all the things, um, but just take one thing at a time um, and, and figure out how to make that best function we were also talking about how because of personalities, the orderliness and the neatness, even that looks a little different. So let's say you're a, a personality that likes everything to be put away. You don't see um, anything on your school table when you're done. You know, all the bookshelves are put back. Maybe you have some books or some baskets. It's all put away. Um, everything is very clean and put away. That may be your personality, but somebody else may love the objects, may like the nature tray, and, and likes the, the hominess of what the, all the objects can bring. And so that's what we were saying is each school space is going to look so different based on even that visual appeal that the mom may have or the family may have. Um, and then you know, if you've been edited a long time, you have a lot of things, True. you know, you just collected a lot of things over the years. Or if you're just starting out, you know, you may compare to somebody else or, you know, you may see, oh, I need this, this and this, but that's not true. I mean, I always go by simpler is better, you know, just you don't need all the stuff. You really don't. And so whether you have a devoted schoolroom, Jen has a devoted schoolroom, we use our dining room table, you know, we just fit the space. I'm the type of person that the clutter and mess bothers me. Like it literally depresses, you know, it just drags me down. So I like to have everything cleaned up and put away, um, especially by the end of the day. I just feel like it allows me to reset. So knowing that about the atmosphere, I need to do that because it literally affects me emotionally and my attitude towards my kids. The mess bothers me, you know, for other moms, the mess doesn't. They don't even see it. it, and that's okay. There's no right or wrong, you know, with that. So, um, I say all that just as an encouragement that, you know, know your space, know what kind of um, visual things affect you. And if you haven't thought about it, you know, it's something to consider because it it does affect us. Um, another thing we were talking about is utilizing. The pieces of furniture that you have in your house. I mean, you shop your house first before you go buy a new bookshelf or a cabinet or things like that. There's probably something in your house you could use to help with that organization or the orderliness or the neatness. Um, I'm all about the baskets, so <laughs> if you're going to buy anything, buy some baskets. <laughs> so you, Jen knows that. So um, oh, yes, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, when we started, we were just using the dining room table mm -hmm. and the living room. We would sit on the couch when we did our read-alouds. So I, I think some kind of a writing surface is necessary. necessary. Absolutely. Um, but like you were saying, even some personalities come into play, not just when school is over, but while school is happening. I have a friend who loves to light candles while they're doing schoolwork. That'd drive me crazy. But, but for her, it, it makes the homey atmosphere, and, and some serve tea while they're doing this. And so it just depends, even while you're doing the schoolwork. But the writing surface is necessary, and some kind of comfortable chair for read-alouds, I think, is necessary. Agreed. Whether it's a dedicated room or shared space. We do a lot of stuff at the breakfast table. Yeah. When the kids were growing up, we did a lot. So we would keep our scripture memory cards, our, our box, on the little countertop right beside the table so we could grab it easily. I know you do some things at breakfast too, don't you? We do. And so one of the things that I, you guys have said so many great things, and I feel like Along the years, I've been kind of a case study for Laura because <laughs> she has helped me grow through two different houses that we've been in. Our first house, like you said, we only had a dining room table, and that's where we did our school at. And Laura helped me to um, functional. That was That's mm -hmm. always been her word. It has to be functional. Her stuff is, is beautiful and, and makes you want to stay there and, and be homeschooled <laughs> as well. But the functional is the core of everything. And so um, I just want to encourage the moms that I think we've all seen on Pinterest or other places, this beautiful schoolroom and, oh, you, you want to do something just like that. But to really take that time, like you said, Laura, and think through what is your space that you have available. It may be the dining room table. It may be a whole homeschool, homeschool room. And um, I am fortunate enough that that's what I have now. Um, and I do have six children, so um, we, we did move. We, we outgrew our old house, and, and when we moved, we were very fortunate to have a basement. So I have that dedicated homeschool room now. But even now, it's not functional to have every single thing. And I, I, for me, that was an easy trap for me to fall into. Like, oh, now this is my homeschool room, so this is where everything has to be and everything has to happen. And Laura helped me to see that, no, shop your house, use your furniture. And if it's not working, if you're doing some things at the breakfast table in the kitchen, which that's where we do all, we kind of tie our family block things to breakfast and to lunch. And so it wasn't functional for me to go downstairs or to have them carry things back and forth. And so now I have a cabinet in my kitchen that one of the cabinet shelves is devoted to our binders and some things that we use for that family block time. And then I have on the table another thing of pencils and pens and I have maps under the um, you know this little caddy that I have on our kitchen table so it doesn't have to be only one place and that is your homeschool mm -hmm. space and that's it so think about you you said really take that time to think mm -hmm. I think that's 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 huge think about your personality mm -hmm. think about those things that make you happy and then also think about that space that you have. Think about your budget. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are some things that you may prioritize over other other things. And so pick that one thing 
like Laura said, that maybe is the project that you want to really work on and try to solve the functionality of one certain thing. But, um, you know, shop what you have and then use, don't be afraid to use different spaces. Even if you do have a homeschool room, still think, is that, does that work for everything? Or are there other spaces in the house that maybe you would, you would, mm -hmm. you would do things in? And when you said, uh, to have a reading spot for your children. Another thing for us, as I do have one that's in college now and another one that's in high school, so as they've gotten older, it is difficult for those older kids to do all of their work with a two-year-old running around. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've found that having a space for them to go do some work that they need to do away from us and really have that quiet focus time. It's hard for my son to do chemistry with a little sister, you know, <laughs> crying next to him. Or, mm -hmm. And so um, my, we've done different things for that. It may be now that they go upstairs to the dining room table for a period of time and complete mm -hmm. that work and then come back down. Or um, some of mine have a desk in their room or um, just a quiet space that maybe they can go if they need that. And some of that takes into consideration the child's personality too and how he or she learns best. Some of them, noise doesn't bother them, but visual movement does. Or, you know, you have to figure, as they get older especially, helping them figure out how they can learn best, what, how they can study and keep their attention focused best will be helpful for them and as we create these spaces that work for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another thing I thought of was um, just with the whole feel of the room and the atmosphere of the home, I really try to have at least one seasonal thing happening just to kind of feed that atmosphere. So whether it's whatever's blooming outside, we may do a small vase on the mantle or on the school table or, you know, if it's... Um, maybe around the holidays, you know, we may do a little pumpkin or, you know, just something that's a gentle touch of life outside of school, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> just, I feel like that kind of anchors me, you know, just that as, I mean, our days are on repeat a lot, especially, you know, as the school year progresses. So, for me, visually, just to see that little touch of either a change of season or, oh, we're looking forward to this holiday or vacation. Like if we're going to the beach, maybe we'll get some shells out and put them, you know, on a tray or something on the school table. Just something. I try to keep at least one thing that's different and that I change out just to keep some freshness in, that, in the atmosphere of the home. Um, I also have dedicated space for the physical school objects that each child has. So when we talked about having um, the order and neatness, you know, whether it's a cubby or part of a shelf or where, wherever it is, you know, the training the children to be responsible, to help with the atmosphere, I feel mm -hmm. like is there's a value in that too. You know, first of all, it helps them to consider me as their mom and as their teacher. Like, Okay, think outside of yourself and, you know, just be respectful to me and learn that and put your school stuff up. <laughs> you know, like, I just feel like there's a lesson in that for them that whether they want to do it or not, they're, 
they're helping with the or- orderliness and the neatness. And it's a good way for them you know, to practice yes, the habit. Yes, and it's for my sanity too. You know, it's it's something that it's a responsibility that we can one of those responsibilities that we can turn over to them mm-hmm. versus when they're young, it's all on us. So um, each one of my children have half of a shelf, like d- depending on the supplies that they have, but, you know, they'll physically walk over, get out what they need, bring it to the table and physically walk over and put it up. So it's a whole process, but um, it just helps keep that, um that atmosphere going and that visual cleanliness going that I need, that I know that that's one of my weaknesses or strengths. I don't know how you would look at it, but, um, and it also helps the end of the day be better when we're cleaning up all along, you know, throughout the day. It's not a nightmare for any of us to have to clean up all the hundred things we did that day. (laughs) Everybody pitches in. Yeah. Yeah. And and don't be afraid to change things Mm -hmm. because I think, or, and maybe I'm just saying things, the traps that I fall into, <laughs> but when you get something working in a certain way, I find with six children, oftentimes six months later, what was working well is not working anymore mm-hmm. because they're growing and they're people and they're changing. And so don't be afraid to change those things if it's not functioning the way it was before you know, figure out a tweak that you can make and how it can start to function for you again. So definitely as they get older and, and then, like you said, they are, they are people and they are persons, right? And we're trying to, they all have their own personalities. And so at some point handing over that control of, okay, this is the space you have. Yes. Taking responsibility for that. And as, as they get even older, what is going to help you, um, to function better. So letting them just have a hand in that. Mm-hmm. So, One other thing, well, two other things that came to my mind in the actual space. One was some kind of nature component, which you talked about yeah. with the seasonal thing. Yeah. I never thought of yeah. doing the seasonal pretty. Yeah. I did like a house plant. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> house plants are good. And you kept it alive. That, yeah. Bonus. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> or, or a vase of fresh flowers. You know, just grab a bouquet from the grocery store or something and throw it in there. Something like that would add some freshness. And I didn't put, we have woods in our backyard, and so I did not put curtains on those back windows right beside the dining room table and right from the living room looking out the back. I didn't put any curtains on those because I wanted to see the green trees while we were doing our schoolwork there. So some kind of nature component really helped me. And then the other thing was uh, some kind of, beautiful art, whether it was just the picture study that you're studying that week, or if you have something framed, uh, uh, something beautiful to look at. It's not obtrusive, it's not in your face, but it's on the wall. And I remember Charlotte talking about, even in the nursery, if you have just one or two real good quality works of art, that will help cultivate the children's tastes and um, their imagination, give them something beautiful to look at as well. That's important. Those are good to have. And lots of baskets. (laughs) (laughs) And lots of baskets. And another thing I was thinking of is don't forget your outside space. 
because Mm -hmm. we want to be outdoors as much as we can. So on those nice days, we have a picnic table that's on our back porch. And so we can just carry our things out there to the picnic table. So if you have the space that you could have a table outside and take your lessons outside or take a blanket outside and that becomes part of your school there. So you don't have to always think of your schoolroom as inside when we need when we need a change. Is there anything we could put outside that would help to want to bring lessons out there? That's a good point. Good point. Any final words of wisdom? I'm going to ask Laura because she's the homeschoolroom guru for all of us. Any final words of wisdom for our listeners? That's a tough question. Um, I just want to encourage everybody that um, it doesn't have to look like your best friends mm. or your sister-in-laws or you know anything you see on Instagram. Um, that's the I think the biggest struggle is wanting it to be what you think is expected versus just loving your children, being thankful for the home that God gives you and making that space work and um, they can do it. I know they can. You know, it's it's within their grasp. It takes effort and sometimes it's hard to have to purge or I don't know. It, it's it's I just wish I could counsel them all. Like <laughs> I just that's where my heart is is to invest in your home and your children and it just looks different for everybody, and to be encouraged by that, that it, it's okay that it's different. It's not what you see on Instagram or at a neighbor's house. So That reminds me, Charlotte said something like, the individuality of the parents is a treasure for each child. Yeah. It's not that every parent needs to be exactly like every other parent. Yeah. And I think it goes for our homeschool rooms, yeah. too. Yeah. I am a different mm-hmm. person than you are, yeah. but I still can create an environment that will support the habits I'm trying to instill in my children and help them pay full attention and enjoy mm-hmm. our Charlotte Mason homeschool. Thanks so much for your thoughts. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. By the way, did you know that you can tell Siri or your Echo or Google device to play the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast? Give it a try. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.